It's Mattress Firm's biggest 4th of July sale ever. Hurry in and get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen bed for the price of a twin. Plus, get a free adjustable base when you spend just $6.99 on Sealy. Or save $500 on all Tempur-Pedic Breeze mattresses. With our low price guarantee, you can rest assured you'll get the best bet at the best price, only at Mattress Firm. Offer valid with qualifying purchase. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com slash sale. Switching to GEICO is a good idea, especially when you consider everything. First off, GEICO makes it easy to switch. They have licensed agents available 24-7 online or over the phone. But if it's so easy, you might start thinking everything is easy, even big wave surfing. And it's not. It's actually quite difficult. Well, if you switch to GEICO, you could save hundreds on car insurance. And you could keep saving by bundling your motorcycle, boat, and RV, plus your home or renter's insurance. But saving money might lead you to make some questionable purchases, like a 20-foot feather boa. And do you know how hard it is to clean a 20-foot feather boa? Well, they do have an industry-leading mobile app you can use to pay your bill, file and manage a claim, or add a new driver. But when life gets a little easier, it makes you too confident. And you start calling everyone ace. And you're better than that. Well, GEICO has a 97% customer satisfaction rating and has been saving people money for 85 years. It's hard to beat that. But you're right. Switch to GEICO. It's obviously a good idea. Hey guys, if you enjoyed this episode, please support this podcast by going to talkmurder.com slash join and becoming a Talco Supremo. Dory and Corey, a famous drag queen, once said, I always had hopes of being a big star, but as you get older, you aim a little lower. And I just say, well, yeah, you still might make an impression. Everybody wants to leave something behind them, some impression, some mark upon the world. Then you think... You've made a mark on the world. If you just get through it and a few people remember your name. Dorian did become a big star, however, and that mark that she left for the world, or at least the detectives, can be found rotting away in a musty old garment bag. Um, so huge shout out to everyone who came out for our Columbia show. We got a few Taco Supremos from the show. Heidi, um, also Oscar, um, by proxy. Oh yeah. Oscar is definitely an honorary taco. We need to get him a bandana and send it in well, her package. We also need to get our own. Well, she got our shirt already. Did she? Um, yeah. And so did Andrea, who is another official Taco Supremo who has joined Ooh, us. Thank you. And another shout out to a new Taco Supremo, Myra. Hey, Myra. Right. Thanks for joining, guys. Thanks, we really guys. appreciate all the love and all the support. We had an absolute blast at our live show. Guys, I'm sorry. I couldn't do the cleanse. I tried. The Jen, first we started day. yesterday. No, we started on Monday. Jen, you can do things. You Jen, know. what the hell? It was like literally, this is Wednesday. This, I understand <laughs> that. But listen, you have to hear me out. I'm like going, still going strong. Jen, those I'm are excuses, man. I'm, I'm sitting here eating Brussels sprouts with mustard on them. You can. Okay. You can be- so don't tell me your excuse. Because I'm eating Brussels sprouts with mustard, and that's fucking gross. I love Brussels sprouts. So I know that I disappointed you all, but I'm going to Myrtle Beach this weekend, and um, I just didn't think that I would be able to follow it in Myrtle Beach. I know that there are possibilities, but like 
you know, being in a conference all day is difficult. So, especially when you have to like present and not have to. And these are excuses. They are excuses. These are nothing. As but long excuses. as you know that they are, I, you know, you, they, I'm not saying. If you're listening out there, do not give her any pity. She does not need it. I I'm not asking for pity. I'm not asking for pity. I'm just being honest with you. And also, I had two beers tonight. <laughs> what? Because, because, because I'm not doing the cleanse, so I was like, I can have <laughs> so two you beers. Said, Fuck it. <laughs> Pretty much. Okay, so I didn't. I didn't give you guys any hint tonight. Nope. Because we're not. Well, Jen's drinking, but yep. John and I are not. Well, I'm not drinking anymore. I've, I've, I have already. You've had more than had, two beers, I could tell. No, I haven't. I think you guys would really like the story. Sorry, I didn't give you a hint. It's okay. Um, Honestly, it took me a long time to pick a story. Mm-hmm. And it's so ridiculous because there's so many out there. And I have a list. Literally, I have a list of about 400 stories that I've pulled. Some are just really long. Yeah, though. like a lot. And I have them categorized like international, oldies, <laughs> bizarre, like all these lists. <laughs> and it keeps getting filled up. It's like a radio station. <laughs> it keeps oldies getting filled up every day. You know, they got rid of that station back home. Really? Yeah, there's no no more oldies 103.3. It's, it's now Amp Radio. So tonight we are going to a year when there were no vinyl players. There were only cassettes and eventually CDs. Um, I hate to tell you, but there were still vinyl players. What what year do you think we're going to? If said, I say well, we're, I think, and I'm not sure, but I think this is the uh, bridge between cassettes and CDs. What year is that? 1997. And, and I'm not really sure if this is true. 1999. Because I didn't look this part up. 95. Okay, it's 92. But like I said, I'm not really sure. Because I remember getting my first CD in the first grade. But yeah, the first CD I had was uh, Alan Jackson's Greatest Hits. <laughs> I think my first CD. <laughs> <laughs> and then my brother signed me up for the Alan Jackson fan. <laughs> my first CD was in sync. Okay, we're going to October 1992. We're going to we're going to a very very nice and elegant apartment. Ooh, want to take a guess where? Very schmancy. Manhattan. Close. We're going close because of the status or close because of the location? The location and status. I mean, the status is really high status. I'm just going to tell you. Okay, it's October 2nd, 1990. Well, October 1992. We're going to a little small, quaint apartment at West 140th Street in Harlem. (laughs) Hey, I did pretty good. (laughs) Wait, which is but Harlem what, is like just a sub city of when Manhattan. Is this it? this apartment is Harlem in Manhattan? Yeah, this section of Harlem is actually still rated one of the worst places to live. Uh, the the most violent uh, subdivisions is where the story takes place. Actually, can I just retract my statement because I have no idea how the boroughs of New York work. So I don't know if Harlem is actually. I think, I think Harlem it may not. Is. I think it is, but I'm not sure. October 1992, there was two men. They entered this small little apartment, West 140th Street in Harlem. Mm-hmm. Now, a woman named Lois Taylor was there. She let the guys in. These guys were going to look for a Halloween costume in this apartment. What kind These of two Halloween guys, costume? They actually wanted to go as like Dracula and vampires. Now this so is October. Obviously, Halloween's coming up. Mm-hmm. So they go into this apartment to look for costumes. 
the woman to look for them yes I'm to confused. look for them because like, did she advertised that she had the costumes or they just were like let's go to this apartment and see if we can find some halloween costumes no 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 they knew that she had the costumes in there because now lois taylor the one that let them in she was the caretaker of the recently passed woman who was a costume designer oh okay so for now like broadway yeah. well i'm a, i'm i'm a I'm going to kind of get into this oh, stuff. Okay, but sorry. anyway, for for instance, there was fabric, feathers, um, headdresses, tailpieces, elaborate gowns, and um, thrifty facsimiles. Facsimiles. Thrifty facsimiles of exorbitant foreign fashions. So like Elton John lived there? Uh, no, she I was th- just I'm a costume designer. I'm picturing something flashy, though. I know, like, like you, you're saying, like, feathers and all these things. And yeah, I'm thinking, so, like, dra- something you'd find at a drag show. Uh, yeah. So it's like, you know. But that's, so, like, West Village, though, I think. I don't know. She was a costume designer. Yeah. What do you mean to say? All right. A woman named Jenny Livingston, which later did the documentary on this case. Okay, this very, this little-known case. I think we're, like, the only podcast that has done it. Maybe not. I don't know. She was the producer and documenter. She calls the neighborhood, quote, a quiet neighborhood. And the first shoot we did, you know, after this has taken place, the first shoot we did, there was a gun battle right outside. And there were crew members in the van and they had to go down to the floor of the van so they wouldn't get caught in the crossfire. That's the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So these two men were going to get tailpieces and headdresses mm-hmm. in this apartment in Harlem. What could go wrong here, right? Absolutely nothing. Now, the woman who had passed away, the the uh, costume designer, had, quote, a considerable amount of personal effects and her boyfriend's personal effects and her boyfriend's brother also lived there at one point. So all their things were there. Can I ask how this costume designer died or is that irrelevant to the story? Or is that, Uh, you know, like, did she, was she old? Like I was picturing at first an old lady, but now you're talking about like her boyfriend and stuff like that. Old people can have boyfriends. I know, but I, I I just, I'm picturing a different storyline now. Didn't like one of your old roommates have gentleman callers who was older? No. Oh, she was just a belly dancer. Yeah. Oh, Okay. Well, she probably had gentlemen college, but mate, that doesn't mean she brought them back here. Like other no, she, she didn't. Now, it was also a hoarding situation in the small apartment. One of the police sergeants said, quote, you could lose a small child in there. Oh. Hmm. Like Filene's basement? I got lost in a Filene's basement when I was younger. But it turns out I went to the desk and I was like, I'm lost. And so they called my mom and my mom came up and she was like, I was literally standing right behind you. And I was like, you definitely were Well, then not. how did you make it up to the desk? Exactly. To call. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. All right. Now, keep it in mind, there's this very small apartment, but it had this huge, huge closet space. Now, I mean, she's a designer, so she's got to hang up all of her stuff. It may have just been an extra room that she turned yeah, into a Yeah, extra room closet. turned into a huge closet. I mean, yeah, it was. That's a good point because the uh, one Ain't of the papers no I read. closet space in New York City. Yeah. Mm. One of the papers I read said it was, a small, it was the size of a small bedroom. So I guess that makes sense. Okay, they're going through and looking through thousands of clothing, gowns, all kinds of stuff, okay? And they find in the corner, there's this garment bag, this large, musty garment bag. If you want to read this, Nicole. 
Ooh, musty. One of those old-time cloth bags that you put suits in and fold it over. It was dark blue with checks on it. One of those old-time bags. These two men go over to the bag. <gasps> oh, is there a body in the bag? Y'all know what's a body in a bag. <laughs> what else is going to be in a body ba- in a bag? I don't know. Clothes? Boas? I don't Bo- know. Boas, okay. <laughs> Animals? Taylor tried to pick it up, but was unable to. And I couldn't, you know, because I'm only 135 pounds. And I went to lift the bag, and I couldn't. You know, because I knew Dorian had some heavy, heavy stuff up there in that closet. And I just said, honey, well, just go on and cut the bag. You know what I'm saying? And he cut the bag, and he says, this is a lot of plastic here. So I say, maybe it's one of her beaded gowns. You gotta read it in your New York accent. Yeah, go ahead. You go ahead, Jen. Read it. I all right. So Dorian is the woman that died. Honey, well, just go on and cut the bag. You know what I'm saying? And he cut the bag. And he says, "This is a lot of plastic here." So I said, "Maybe it's one of her beaded gowns." Cause I mean, she got some tremendous beaded gowns. I don't know what the hell was in there. So I. So then he stuck it, and then he cut the thing, and he says, "There's a scent." I said, I don't know. Is there a dead dog or what? And I said, dead dog. And I ran like hell. (laughs) (laughs) That was very good. Jen is also throwing up gang signs as she yeah, reads she's this. Throwing up gang signs. What was that about? Was that a West Side? I saw this. West Side? <laughs> she's just getting into character here. Uh, the suitcase was so heavy and overstuffed that Lois didn't even try to find the zipper. She just picked up some scissors and told one of the customers, Cut it! As soon as he did, a horrible stink came out of the dusty fabric bag. That's when we called the police. Lois explained. Because, honey, I wasn't chancing it. Did you see how the body was wrapped? No, 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 child, she said. After the cocks came. The cocks came? (laughs) What? (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) After the cops came, I didn't go back there. You look at something like that, honey. That's something you won't get over for the rest of your life. All right. Better believe, child. So what was that, a dead dog? Is this talk dead dogs? No. That's awful. That is so sad. Now, it said there was a lot of a... uh, A lot of plastic in there. Nicole, can you read this? Inside, they discovered the mummified body of a man, bound up and wrapped in plastic, folded into the fetal position with a bullet hole in his head. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so the the woman that owns this apartment has died a few months before. And no one knew this body was in the bag. And what does it say there? Mummified. Mummified. So he was there for a long time. (laughs) Mummified, okay. (laughs) How long do you think he was there for? 50 years. The cops initially told reporters that the body had been in the bag from anywhere from seven months to 20 years. <laughs> what the hell? But that all changed when it was put around 15 years by the uh, the uh, coroner. He actually dated it around 15 years. Now, I'm going to tell you how he did it. It's actually brilliant how he dated the body. But we'll get to that in a second. I just had the image of like, you know how in a tree, you can tell how old a tree is by, by like the, the rings. rings. Like, yeah. how do you determine that from a human? Like, do you cut Well, them? I mean, there's, I'll, I'll tell you in a minute. It's, it's really clever. All right. But to put things in perspective, the reason why this case isn't very, very famous is because within 15 years of that, that mummy being in that suitcase in New York alone, within a 15 year period. 15 year period, there was 40,000 homicides. What? <laughs> so, 
Hot but, damn. That's ridiculous. When did I say this was? What year? 92. So the death most likely occurred in 1968. What? Yeah. Wait, 15 years is not... Well, it's a little over 15 years. It's uh, like 18 or whatever. Now, Wait, uh, no, that messed up. Or whatever the fuck it is. 70. I don't know what it is. 1968 to 92. That's like 22 years. What are you talking about? 18 years. I don't know. 24. I don't know, math. All right. Anyway, it's been in there over 20 years. The autopsy was done by a Raul Figueroa. Now, he's actually the licensed mortician. All right. If you want to read this, Nicole, it's not graphic at all. AKA, it's graphic. So I cut the fingers below the second joint. Then it took me several days to work on it because technically, even though it's mummified, he was in a sort of mummified state, but in a soupy sort of mummified state. (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean? Can I just say, all right, so... I'm sorry, but like, so when I, the first day I did the fast, the first whole day and I have to say all I ate were blueberries and tomatoes and carrots. And every time I was eating a carrot, I could not, I almost couldn't eat it because I always remembered that the carrot is the same consistency of a finger and it's ruined carrots You've ruined carrots for me too. It's awful. You've ruined it for everyone on this podcast. Well, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, but you need to know. You know what? You should buy carrot chips instead. I think that will help you. Maybe like they, they, they make carrot, them cooks. Carrots don't bother me. Just raw carrots. Yeah. You should get them in like the, I have, they sell them at Whole Foods anyway or Harris Cedar. No, they, they had them. them at Harris Cedar. things you put on salads, right? Yeah. Like the yeah. little ridges. They look like, like potato like chips, except they're carrots. Like those. You don't? No, oh, I, I hate like those, those damn things. Where's the ridges come from? Tell me that. Um, the Why are there ridges? Well, it's at the least greater. they don't look like fingers and they don't have the same consistency. But they don't taste good. You know, if you eat a lot of carrots, you'll turn orange. Yeah, I ate almost a whole bag of carrots. And you were orange? No, I didn't turn orange. You know, also, uh, NASA gives it to their astronauts to improve eyesight. Yeah, a lot of vitamin A. But I heard it's Anson. bad for you, though. Like, a lot of... There's like something in the carrots that if you eat a lot of them, they're bad for you. Sugar? No, sugar and carrots? Yeah. Yeah, carrots are, They do have right. one of the highest sugar contents of the vegetables. All right, let's go. That's why I've kind of felt... Like, maybe I shouldn't be eating all these carrots. So what's a soupy mummified state? Like beef stew. But how is it mummified? Like, do you just, like, cuts it open and it's, like, kind of gushy No, no, no. So you know what a mummy is, right? It's, like, all dried, like, and with, you know, the uh, athletic tape wrapped around his whole body. Okay, so the plastic prevented this loss of moisture because a mummy is dried the fuck. The, the mummy is completely dried out. There's no moisture in the mummy. But this mummy, it was covered in heavy plastic. As you, when you read, there was, the guy cut it open and then all he could feel was plastic. So that plastic actually prevented the loss of moisture necessary for true mummification. And the bodily fluid settled instead of evaporating. So there you go. So if you were to wrap a mummy, if the ancient Egyptians used plastic to wrap a mummy instead of a catacomb or whatever, they mm. would be soupy too. And then they could mm. eat it or whatever. Figueroa said that the body was halfway between mummified and decomposed. When you have all this wrapping, no air is getting to it, he explained, but it is still losing liquid out of its body. So the body sort of floats in its own soup. <laughs> the skin was in very bad shape. <laughs> it was like very old fabric. If you touch it, it's going to fall apart. <laughs> 
It's like floating. The body is floating in its own soup. That's what it said. It's like beef stew. Yeah, but it's the beef chunks floating around in there. Oh, man, but it's like, it. like the stew beef is literally my favorite. Because like part there's of no bones stew. or structure to it at this point. So like if and you, you know were what? to squeeze it, how did they even get it? So like, it's like out of the bag and be- stuff. They probably just like one of those um, go-gurts. Like, oh, the, oh, go-gurts the go-gurts, like the cake, the cake decorating. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, a yeah. go-gurt. They yeah. just squeeze it. Go-gurt is underrated. <laughs> I like go-gurt. So enough gruesome stuff. Let's talk about. I have a feeling you're lying, but go on. Um, let's talk about who this guy is, shall we? Here, read this. So did Nicole. the dead lady kill him? Well, read this. You'll find out. There was all this muck, many oh. pounds of muck. You have to clean it off, but you got to do it soft because you don't want to destroy it. It's a painstaking sort of process. The minute it gets destroyed, you do the wrong thing. It's gone forever. And then you got nothing to work with. Ew, oh my gosh. When I hear muck, I think of like <laughs> duck sand. Holy shit. Or pluff mud, as so, they call it down here. If they freaking squeeze this guy out like a gogurt. Ew, no, not gogurt. Please don't ruin gogurt for me. It's all I have left. Did you just imagine? Because it's not a suitcase. Gogurt in my like eyebrows is all I have left. You know, in all these other stories, it's like a suitcase. This is a garment bag. You could like bear hug it and squeeze it, and then it just slides. out I know. The that's bottom. why I was like, how did they transport this thing? You know, they had to be really careful. In a thermos. <laughs> And like one of my like my mini crock pot that I have, <laughs> they're like keeping it warm, like carry it to work, uh, keeping it gross. the parts warm. <laughs> so right. did it have? So it was like almost like structurally intact from the outside, but it was all yeah, soupy inside. Yeah, soup. I guess there's no pictures of it, but Damn, enough of that shit. Let's move on. No, I don't want to see body soup. I do. Let's move on. So I was working on secondary skin, the lower oh. one beneath what you see. Secondary skin slippage. You've seen floater a floater come out of the water. <laughs> You've seen the hand like a glove come off. Oh, yeah. That's the slippage. The secondary skin. It's not as pronounced oh, as your rec- regular skin. It's a twin of what you might lose in a sunburn or regular wear and tear. It's oh my like God, a, it's like those foot peels. No, it's like yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, no, oh my okay. God. So it's like it's like the silver skin when you're when you're butchering like a slab of beef or or. Um, What's that yeah. other thing? Pork. Like when you're cutting the silver skin off. All right. Who who is this guy? This who is in Elmer this gogurt? An ex-lover. This gogurt container right here. Who is in this gogurt An container? An ex-lover of the costume lady. Gianni Versace. All right. The body is a black male, 5'10", 140 pounds, wearing blue and white boxer shorts. Okay. His real name is Robert Wells. That's amazing they were able to identify him. They were able to identify him because he he painstakingly got all 10 of his fingerprints. And, okay, so let's just skip forward. Yes, you can read this. This is pretty uh, insane in the membrane. Insane, it got no brains. So I had to come up with something to try to be able to deal with the fingers because of the skin. It was, we all have microorganisms that either were near the body when he was enclosed or on the body itself. They will eat through the skin, leaving these little micro holes that you can't really see, but where you can't inject anything because it's going to leak out. Very slowly it leaks out. So there's not much you can do. If you try to put ink on what matter ink on that it will not adhere to the skin it was a problem 
And I ended up, and I can't give away all the secrets because, well, it's beneficial to us to keep it more or less secret. What is this guy talking about? I don't but know I, anymore. It's a trick of the trade from a mortician. I know, but why wouldn't he share it? Anyway, but I worked out something, and I was able to close these holes. Then drying, which is commonly known with acetone and a variety of other things, drying the skin, and then using a little bit of heat. You might have to soften it, but it was special liquids to soften it. And I was able to secure the print. Yeah. So this guy was I don't even know what you just said. It was like a lot of things that were like making me block out and like this sounds disgusting. Okay, this guy was born in nineteen thirty eight in December and because they, they found the fingerprints, so well they got his fingerprints. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Nothing, right? Unless he was in prison yeah. at one point. And he was actually arrested in the Bronx. In 1963. Don't be fooled by the rocks that I got. You know, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson's from the Bronx. Bronx. It was J-Lo. Mm-hmm. She's Jenny from the block. Yeah, but we didn't just come from a J-Lo concert. We just came from a Neil deGrasse Tyson no, concert. No, but she's the only reason I'll be watching the Super Bowl this well, year. no one cares about her. So, the sister was located in Fairmount, North Carolina. Literally the most cow-ridden tobacco-smoking town. I mean, it's worse than Gilbert. Literally, Fair Fairmount, North Carolina. It's like, why is this guy in a garment bag in the middle of Harlem, and he grew up on a farm? Did he get tied up with the wrong kind of farmers? Okay. <laughs> His real name was Robert Worley, okay? Ooh, that's now, he was going name. by an alias, his, uh, like I said before, his alias was Robert Wells. See, when you said Robert Wells, I thought, oh, he must be wealthy. But then when you said Orly, I'm like, oh, he Worley. sounds like a farmer. Worley, he sounds like a farmer. Not to say that farmers can't be wealthy, but he just sounds like, you know, it just sounds so different. He grew up, he was the youngest of seven in his household. His father took care of the ice plant for Fairmount, North Carolina, which what the fuck is an ice plant? Um, It's a plant that one doesn't take care of and leaves out in the cold. Like Thank me. you, Jen. So Robert, which um, a lot of people called him Bobby. So mm-hmm. when you read something, it'll say Bobby. Robert was the youngest and his brother hadn't seen him since 1968. Now, this is one of the techniques used, not the Creme de la creme, but they know he wasn't killed before 1968 because his brother seen him. They were actually, he was actually living in his brother's apartment in Harlem. Mm. Okay. Then he vanishes in 1968. But all right, let me talk a little bit about this guy. This is what his brother said. After about three months, Bobby Worley disappeared. He got attracted to a woman who lived next door, Fred Worley said. They had a run-in, and he roughed up one of her kids a little bit, a boy about seven. She said, I'm going to call the police. When he heard the word police, he took off. That was the last I saw him. This guy graduated from Rosenwald High School in 1957 in Fairfield, North Carolina. He actually played in a band, and he was a very talented musician. He had excellent grades and excellent opportunities laid out in front of him. Mm. Literally. I mean, his father worked in ice plant, but he was like the chemical engineer mm. in the ice plant. Like dry ice? I, I, I couldn't tell. It was an ice plant. I don't know what the fuck they do there. So here's my question. How did this guy, this farmer's boy from Fair 
Mansfield, North Carolina, end up in a garment bag in Harlem. That is what was going through my mind. I was like, now, I know the, I knew the overview of the story, mm-hmm. which I'll tell you guys, but like, it still doesn't explain how he traveled all the way up there and got in that garment bag. Well, maybe he was in the garment bag before he was in Harlem. Like Elmer McCurdy. No, because his brother, he was living in Harlem with his brother. Oh. Well, a lot of people would go to the Big Apple to chase their dreams. So maybe he was one of them. She said her fondest memories were when he would talk about different things that might affect him reaching his goal. Bobby was spirited, she said, rambunctious and driven. And was definitely not a mama's boy. Although my mother would always help him get what he wanted. He was an assiduous worker and had jobs in the tobacco warehouses and as a veterinarian's assistant. The woman that died, okay, who wants to see her? Do you think she has anything to do with it? Yes. Okay. This is her. In a sense, so am I. But a very much different quantity. That's Dorian. No magazine's going to run up the cover. That's her right there. That's Dorian? Yeah. She was a drag queen. Yeah. But it's still a fame. It's a small fame. But you absorb it, you take it. And you like it. You like the adulation, the applause, the people cheering you on, the winning. It's like a, a physical high. It's a, you know, it's a good high. It's an addictive high, like all highs in the long run turn out to be. But it's a high that won't hurt you. If everybody went to balls and did less drugs, it'd be a fun world, wouldn't it? I'm dressing, of course, to go do a show. Okay, so that is Dory and Corey. Now, there's not any books, and this story didn't even make, it made like three newspapers. Now serving B24 at DMV window number seven. Okay, Jim, we're next in line. Perfect, Jim. Things are going very smoothly. You remember the cell phone bill? Yes, and the birth certificate. Nice. We'll have a real ID in no time. That's right. Ready to fly to Carla's graduation and then the big game. Real great work, Jim. You too, Jim. Excuse me, are you talking to yourself? Now serving B25 at window number 10. That's our cue, Jim. Excuse us. Talk yourself into real ID readiness by May 3rd, 2023. Make a plan at dhs.gov slash real ID. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, and it's like one of the craziest stories you'll yeah. hear. The the two big articles, one was done by the New York Times, is called The Drag Queen and the Mummy in Her Closet. Ooh. Okay. And the other one's That's the title for the episode. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the perfect. other one's called uh The Drag Queen and Her Mummy. Okay. So Either that works. So Dorian is a male. So the police actually found thousands and thousands of photos of Dorian and her drag and, and all of her friends. And there was only one photo in the apartment of the victim, mm-hmm. uh, Worley, Bobby, of the victim, Bobby, and it was on a Polaroid. 
The only known picture of the man found in her apartment is a Polaroid, which has the grisly universality of a memo, memento mori and the clinical circumscription of unique misfortune. The body is set against a black background, posed in half profile from the chest up, hunched over as if to listen closely. The complexion is purple and yellow. The nose and ears are nibs of cartilage, and the slight overbite is exaggerated by the loss of flesh. Oh, so she took the picture when he was after he was dead? Mm-hmm. Ew. All right, so here's how the body was dated. Okay, we know it wasn't before 1968. We know that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it had to be somewhere between 1968 and 1992. There were a few telltale signs. Number one, when they pulled the uh, body out of the Gogurt container, okay, a flip top beer, the the little tabs that you flip up on the beer Mm -hmm. fell out. And those were only used during this short period. And it's not the ones you're thinking of. I'm going to show you what they are right now. Okay. This is them right here. These. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you see these. Yeah, you actually flip it it. up and then pull it back. Hi, neighbor. What? Narragansett. That's the the slogan of the beer. It's from Narragansett, Rhode Island. This is the one that he had. So I'm showing him a picture right here. Now, these were only used between 1965 and... And 1975. Okay. Okay. So this is most likely the one right there. Um, that he, that and there was like two of them that fell out of his pocket, or, okay. or that were on his person, right? And also, another way he dated the body is this. The doctor put that it could have been dead one to fifteen years, so as not to commit himself once we had all the proof. Figaro said, but given the fact that the brother hadn't seen him since the late 60s, plus the fact that Nagahide was popular in the 70s, plus the rings, it was obvious. Now, Nagahide is the plastic he was wrapped in. Okay. Okay, so that's the type of plastic, and that was only used during the 70s. So, with the flip beer top, okay, and the Nagahide, mm-hmm. the wrapping, they could date it to about 70, which 68. All right. Okay. And then once they confirmed by the fingerprints who it was, they could kind of make a guesstimation. It was around 1968 to like maybe 70. Okay. When this happened. Okay. Before we go any further, I want to tell you about an amazing documentary that was shot in the 1990s. I think it was like 91. Is Excellent. I watched it this morning. It's called Paris is Burning. Okay. I've heard of that. Now, if you want to know, so what do you think about when you think of drag queens? RuPaul. Well, yeah. Drag race. Brunches. Yeah, I think of drag Brunches? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that is obviously not what the drag scene was in New York in the Clubs. late eighties. Okay, um, what's that club? The the place Studio Fifty Four. Uh, no, they didn't do drag queens there. That was drugs. I'm gonna put the documentary on Talk Murder. It's excellent, and I learned a lot. But it's not just like oh, men wearing women's clothes. It's like crossing into the Looking Glass in Wonderland. You go in there and you feel you feel a hundred percent right. Of be, being gay. And that's, and that's not it. what it's like in the world. It's not what it's like in the world. It's not what it's like in the world. You know, 
It should be like that in the world. The society, they foot, go into a football game, basketball, that's their entertainment. Yeah. You know, a ball is ours. We prepare for a ball. We, we may spend more time preparing for a ball than anybody was to spend preparing for anything else. Exactly. You know, a ball so is like true. our world, it's you know. Balls ball. to us is as close to reality as we're going to get to all of that fame and fortune and stardom and spotlights. Okay, so that's a little bit of Paris is Burning. It talks about the... Um, the drag queens, and they're talking about this ball. So this elaborate ball that they all go to, and they all pretty much make their own clothing. Yeah, it's and, like a it's like a performance. It's like a, it's like their promenade kind of. But is this is this is a particular event instead yeah, of so, it well, being like a just a okay, show? There's different categories. All right, and the categories spawn from the uh, the society around them. For instance, they have. A girl going to school category. They have the executive realness category. They have town and country. They have Butch Queen's first time in it, first time in drag at a ball. Those balls are more or less like our fantasy of being a superstar, you know, like the Oscars or whatever, or being on a runway as a model. You know, a lot of those kids that are in the balls, they don't have two of nothing. Some of them don't even eat. They come to balls starving, and they sleep in under twenty-one or they sleep on the pier or wherever. They don't have a home to go to, but they'll make they'll go out and they'll steal something and get dressed up and come to a ball for that one night and live the fantasy. I can't really describe it, but it's like for one night, you can be anything that you want to be. You can be you know who what I'm you want to be. You have this alternate persona that you let shine out. In real life, you can't get a job as an executive unless you have the educational background and the opportunity. Now, the fact that you are not an executive is That's because Dorian. of the social standing ask. of life. That is just pure thing. Black people have a hard time getting anywhere. And those that do are usually straight. In a ballroom, you can be anything you want. You're not really an executive, but you're looking like an executive. And therefore, you're showing the straight world that I can be an executive. If I had the opportunity, I could be one. Because I can look like that. And that is like a fulfillment. Your people. You know, it's really funny. One of the quotes she said, there's like a whole list of really cool quotes she said, but um, uh, one of them was something like, uh, wealth doesn't mean, um, wealth doesn't mean labels, you know, like, you know. Um, Calvin Klein. Calvin, Dior. all those big Dior or whatever the fuck. Because labels can be, gotten by a shoplifter a shoplifter yeah. could steal a fucking label mm-hmm. so labels don't define you know yeah that's you know what i'm saying it's an interesting point model the category is butch queen first time in drags at, at a ball you know what i mean you know what paris means exactly butch queen butch queen butch queen If you go down and read some of these comments, uh, if you want to read some of these comments, this is from the movie, The um, the Paris is Burning from 1990. They looked far better and were more stylish than the wealthiest white Americans, not to mention they were enormously articulate and artistically gifted. They were alive. Here, read this one. I cried listening to these young, beautiful people talking about their dreams of what we would all deem as just a normal life. 
as if it were so unattainable, like they were reaching for fairy tales. Their innocence, finding and creating a space for themselves on the fringes of society, and yet still knew how to smile and still gaze out into the clouds of wonderment with sparkles in their eyes when asked about their dreams. She also taught, all right, the documentary also schools you up on terminology. Like, for instance, I thought the word shade, like throw in shade, mm-hmm. is like something the millennials invented. But no, it came from the drag queens. Mm-hmm. Is, did it mean the same thing? Yeah, well, yeah. basically. Well, so there was, um, there's two different verbiages, if you will. Uh, reading and shade. Throw in shade and then there's... Re- re- just let her explain it. Oh, yes, it's no, paint. motherfucking paint, what? She wears more Lady. makeup than my mother. Then reading became a developed form where it became shade. Shade is, I don't tell you you're ugly, but I don't have to tell you because you know you're ugly. <laughs> she's That's a boss, shade. man. Well, yeah. she's also a murderer. So Dorian Corey is basically the oldest drag queen in this time period, right? Mm-hmm. So she is like almost the mother and, and how the drag society worked back then is you'd have these different categories, right? Like I showed you, then you would have these little houses, not like a physical house, but like, let's say you and me like to dress like, I don't know, Marilyn Monroe or mm-hmm. whatever. So we're going to be in the same unit as you will. And we're going to be, you know, competing together. Right. And, you know what I'm saying? For and, who's the best Marilyn Yeah. And Monroe. they actually give, trophies out and everything yeah so she was like the mother of one of the of the court um she was the mother of the Corey house okay uh-huh. yeah so she was the uh you know the the house mother the house mother basically all these new kids will come in they don't really know what they're doing so she'll help them okay but not everyone believed that this was a great thing this is from a uh, african-american scholar right here African-American scholar Bell Hooks calls the film exploitative and the immediate prospect of poor black men who want to be wealthy and famous white women suggest at least a subculture of acute maladjustment. Okay, so a little more about Dorian right quick, the killer. She studied at the Parsons School of Design. She ran a successful business as a dress and costume maker. So she would make these costumes. Here's one of hers right here. Now this is... A golden cape that one time, she wore this thing one time, and it covered the entire ballroom floor. So that's the picture of it. So they would make these elaborate designs and costumes. I mean, she doesn't have money. Like these kids you see, they don't have money. They're making this shit themselves. Right. And that's why that one comment on YouTube was like, they, you know, they dress and walk more elegantly than wealthy you know, people do mm-hmm. because they're like putting in the work. You know what I'm saying? It's like a, it's passion. It's, it's pretty cool, you know? And I don't know if the drag is like that nowadays, but Jenny Livingston, the one that wrote the um, report about this, about Dorian said, they used to be good friends and quote, mm-hmm. we got to be friends and I'd go up to her place and play Scrabble, which was something she liked quite a bit. She always had a TV set or two going on. She was always one of the more entertaining people I've met. She was great to hang out with. She was also a, an exceptional graphic designer. And one friend actually said, quote, Dorian could paint her ass off. Now, she actually traveled for several years. Obviously, her name isn't Dorian. I'm going to tell you what her name is in a second. 
But she traveled all over the country with a drag show when she first started called the Pearl Box Review. And at that, she got she got her first like infamy become famous when she danced with a boa constrictor. Oh, geez. Whoa. And that would bite her oh, uh-uh. on stage, nope. on the ballroom floor. Quote, affectionately, she was bleeding, but it was part of the act. That's going to be a no for me, dog. And I didn't go into this, but... This is where the term legend really comes from. Because if you're legend, if you're legendary in the drag society in this time period, it's like you've made it. You know what I'm saying? You've and and, and it's so cool. The really cool thing about it is you made it doesn't mean you're a millionaire or whatever. You just right. you got the respect of the people that you care about, which is the other people, the very, very, very few people that are doing these balls. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you, it's really kind of interesting. Now, Dorian Corey was originally also born on a farm outside of Buffalo, New York. Her name okay. was Frederick, because she was a, a man, Frederick Legg, L-E-G-G. Mm-hmm. She grew up on a farm, and then she started noticing, you know, she wasn't like everyone else. Just like a lot of these people in this documentary said the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. it was a young age, and I started noticing that I was different or I was, you know, a, a man in a woman's body and stuff like that. Like they've always said this stuff. So she runs away and she breaks contact with her family. Now, can I just, can I just interject real quick? But I, I think if I'm correct, like just because you perform drag doesn't necessarily mean that you're transgender. Some people are not. Yeah. She had a penis. Right. You could be transgender and still have a penis, but what I'm saying is, like, you don't necessarily have to be transgender in, to in do order, drag in order to do right. drag, or you don't even have to be gay to do drag. Now she lived with a man named Leon, and for the past eleven years, now she's she died. Okay, three months before they found this mummy. Mm-hmm. Okay, now Leon was a 35 year old employee of a trophy shop. Now, when she died, she was 56. How did she die? She died from AIDS. Mm. Ah. Yeah. So remember I told you when the two men went to her apartment, uh, Lois mm-hmm. Taylor was there. Mm-hmm. Yep. She was the caretaker. So the last few months of her life, Lois took care of her. And basically, I mean, she knew she was going to die and, and she was basically dying. That's awful. So she died from AIDS. And then what happened is before she died, she told Lois that she could take these costumes and sell them or do whatever she needs and keep the drag scene going. Because, That's I mean, cool. she was, like, in Harlem, and not only Harlem, but probably all around Manhattan or, or wherever, she was the person to go to if you wanted a costume. Like, she could make these. I'm surprised she didn't think about the fact that there was a body in her closet when she said this, though. What do you mean? Like, don't you think if you knew, like, it's not like she didn't know that her death was coming in a way like shouldn't you be like all right so uh, can somebody throw yeah. away this bag for me you well, know what i mean yeah um otherwise somebody gonna go through that shit when you die mm-hmm. what they one passage she i had the skeletons in her closet yeah yeah one thing i read was um okay it's one thing to be in this time period in harlem an african-american with a dead body in your apartment and it's a completely different thing to be a drag queen with a dead body in your apartment. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
talk about no respect at all. Right. You think the cops give two shits about these drag queens? Hell no, man. Okay, so this guy named Leon, so he was 35, and he was an employee of a trophy shop, right? The same trophy shop that provided the trophies for these drag competitions. Because right. uh-huh. if you watch the documentary, they give a lot of trophies out right. for these balls, like a lot. I mean, they got trophies for, you know, the executive dresses, the the. Whatever. So each category had a yeah, had a each contest category. and they had to provide a trophy. Yeah. So but one of the friends says, quote, they were an unlikely couple, an odd match, but they were together and there was a home there and some comfort there. Now this isn't the guy in the Gogurt cup. All right. This is <laughs> the guy she was living with. You remember I said her boyfriend lived there with all his stuff. Right. And her and his brother. Is Leon the other guy's brother? No, Leon was her boyfriend. Right. No, no, no. Oh, no, I understand. No, Leon had a brother. Oh, okay. Yeah, but not the guy in the Gogurt cup. Okay. Yeah. Tube. The the correct tube, term sorry. for Gogurt is tube. We should y'all should watch this documentary. It's actually really good. It's really I entertaining. Yeah, I want yeah. it's on my watch list actually. And it's like I mean, you feel really good for these people because they don't have shit. Right. Most of them, and, and not only that, not only do they not have anything, but you got to understand, they grew up all over America and they knew that they were gay or they knew that they were different and their family didn't really accept them. So not only do they, they, not, only do they not have anything, but they don't have any family like, it, you know, real family. Right. So these people are the real family. So it's kind of like... You feel good for them because yeah. they're doing, you know, doing something they're really passionate about. And they feel like they and they have their own community, which is great. Like they're, you know, it's they feel like they're part of something. And it's like the the amount of time they I mean, look at these costumes, man. I mean, how long do you think it took her to make that damn thing? Oh, a long time. Holy shit. Yeah. Did I ever tell you guys the story about the time one of my friends and I went to Dudley's and like all these girls were following me around? I was totally oblivious because I was just like there dancing. And I had Did you no know idea. it was a gay bar? Yeah, I knew it was a gay bar because you know my my friend that I went with is is gay, but like Oh, oh, oh. But um but I had I was totally oblivious. They were like, and I kept looking. I was like, these same girls like follow me around, and I was like, oh, all right, whatever, you know. Like, <laughs> and he's having his old fun time. And it was a, it was fun. I like I like to go to the gay bars. They're fun. Right, this is one of her friends. I moved in with Dorian before my parents moved out of the city. He said she always helped me out when I was down and out. You know, when I needed car fare to get to work and all. I love Dorian very much. Not long before the release of Paris and Burning. Or Paris is burning, the thing we were watching a little bit of. Um, she slipped into a coma. This was August of 1993. Um, she slipped into a coma and she died. All right. Oh. So is was the victim also in, in the drag world and that's how they got connected? Um, I'm going to talk, talk a little bit about the victim here in a second. Okay. Basically, I never really got close with Dorian until 1988 after my mother passed, she explained. Honey, when you lose your mother, that's a great loss. Dorian, she stuck with me. When she got diagnosed, child, I couldn't walk away from her. Because if I did that, God, I would, would, because if I did that, God wouldn't have blessed me. Said, Dorian, whatever it is, we'll stick it out. Here, um, Jen, you can read the next one. Just remember, the person who is saying this, her name is Pepper 
Labasia, <laughs> which is great. Child, that's what I don't understand. I used to be in her basement apartment on St. Nicholas. She lived there before she moved to 140th, 140th Street. Honey, it was damp and dank, and I never smelt nobody. I have been in buildings where I smelt dead bodies, and I never smelt it. The detective asked me about Miss Lois. I heard tales about her, honey. Could it possibly could could it possibly be she did it? But I thought I thought <laughs> I thought I saw a putty cat. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought about it. Where would Miss Lois keep a body for 15 years? Okay. In her closet. Everyone would come up to the apartment all day long. I mean, you read that one quote. They would play Scrabble. Okay. And nobody could smell no it. No one could smell it. You know, it's because the stuff it was wrapped in, I guess. And that soupy gogurt container. No one could smell tube. it. It's fucking crazy. Gross. Gogurt tube. You know what I'm saying? It's nuts. I was even reading one paper where a friend said her German Shepherd would go there and visit all the time, and oh, he didn't even smell it. I love um, German Shepherds. You know, which is crazy. Yeah. Now, who who is this guy to her? That's what we need to ask, and how did he get there? Now, no one knows for sure. There's only two people that know, and they're both dead. Mm. Okay? One of them is in the Gogurt cup, and the other one is you know, she's dead yeah. from AIDS. All right, someone that knew the victim said that him and Dorian were lovers and, quote, he was a shady guy and he used to beat her up. Oh. Now read this. This is from one of uh, Dorian's friends. God only knows what he did. Dorian never mentioned a word to me. If she did do it, he had to push her, said Lois Taylor. The whole thing is, said Jesse, Dorian was not a violent person, but, excuse my expression, she was not going to be fucked with either. Bobby's the victim, Bobby, his brother, Fred, also said, quote, he used to drink vodka straight from the bottle. It was an everyday thing. So if they were dating, then it probably could have been a violent confrontation. Yeah, well, they must have been drinking Nipitati vodka because that's the only vodka I could drink straight from the container. That's right. At my recollection, Bobby was a good person, but he would, well, he got involved with girls. I don't know. While he was in high school, I was in college. Women seemed to be, he just loved girls. Oh, so maybe um, Dorian was was Dorian a lady of the night in that Robert got involved with? Um, maybe there. You know, a lot of these the drag queens on this documentary are also prostitutes mm-hmm. because I mean that you know they got to pay. I mean, they got to eat somehow, right? So maybe that was it. Yeah, but honestly, like. As far as information, there's none on this. On how they were connected. On how they were connected. I mean, a friend may have seen them together and stuff like that, but, you know. So was the... Number one, there's not really... So we don't even know if Bobby was a drag queen himself. I don't think he was a drag queen, but his brother was asked if he dated transvestites, and he said, yes, he actually knew for a fact that he was dating a transgendered person. So, but um, honestly, as far as the details, like I said, no, there was only three newspapers that covered it. And it was literally mummy found in drag queen's closet, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's not like the police had an incentive to, re, you know, to uh, investigate this. I mean, 40,000 homicides in 15 years. And, you want to try to find out how a dead drag queen 
killed a man or if she did at all or, you know what I'm saying? Because they may have not even been linked together. Right. You know? I mean... Yeah, it totally could have been someone else's garment bag. She moved into that apartment five years before. So she would have had to take that garment bag with her. So they were saying, well, maybe it was already there, you know. But if there's some sort of connection with them, that's hard to believe. Yeah, I know, but... No one knows for a fact if there was a connection. It, it's like all hearsay. I mean, you're asking but people friends knew and friends. Him. People knew him, knew her. Yeah, but they... No I one... guess it comes down to, was the garment bag Dorian's style? Would that be something that Dorian would hmm. carry around? Like, like if... Like, I, good I, point. I, I'm not even trying to... I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm like, would that be something that she would but, buy? Yeah. I mean, but would you move... You move into an apartment and there's a garment bag and you're just and gonna leave it there. It out? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. And another thing is, I think it's her. Why didn't she throw it out? If she did kill him, why would she keep it in there? What I mean, if the garment bag was there already? She tried to throw it out, and, and this is literally, obviously, a stretch. But like, what if it was there? She tried to throw it out. Noticed that there was something in there. Opened it. Saw there was a dead body and was like, "Fuck that! I am not dealing with this," and left it there. Mm, I wouldn't want to leave seems, a dead body there. Sounds no. ridiculous, but I, at the hey, same time, it's ridiculous. But that doesn't mean there's. It's the know. same. At the same time, that is kind of plausible because, like, what they were saying in the documentary, you know, you have a drag queen with a dead body in a suitcase. Like, how is how are you going to explain that to cops? Oh, this was there when I moved in. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, where's put your hands behind your back? You know, type of shit. Yeah. So she would have to move the garment bag herself and put it in the in her new apartment because she's only been there maybe five she years. forgot it was there and when she moved she was like oh gotta take this garment back you don't forget a dead body in a gogurt container <laughs> is in your apartment dude <laughs> like, I'm, I'm just sorry. saying a We're tube just... a gogurt tube john but it's also it's also interesting that she let friends come over she never mentioned it even on her deathbed she didn't mention it you know as oh, a hey oh just FYI, there's... Can you throw out that bag that's in the corner? Don't open it. Just throw it out. No questions. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe it wasn't hers. Like, maybe it was one of her friends. No, I think it was hers. Well, <sighs> hear me out. What if it was one of her friends that um, knew she was passing away and knew she wouldn't be going into her closet and put the garment bag in the closet and maybe that's that. Well, you don't know. One of the big reasons we don't know is because... All right, think about it. Where did the police go? They go to ask all these people in drag and the friends who do drag shows. Do you really think they want to give any information? Okay. Because they don't want to be linked to that at all. Yeah. I, I didn't really go into the time period, but the 90s were not, it's not a good time period to be a drag queen, right? I mean, I mean, cops don't like that now. Why would they like that? In 90s when everyone's getting shot. Right. I'm just, I don't know. Maybe I'm going too far. But, so no one really knows how this happened. They just know there's a bullet in his head. So he got shot. I mean, it could have been a, I mean, you know, who knows? You know, one friend said that he may have been someone that ran in and tried to rob, you know, the house. And she shot him or something like that. You know, who knows? But the good thing is, the only good thing is they got the fingerprints, and now the family of the victim can actually know for sure that, 
you know, the sun is dead instead of always wondering. Like, now they got a resolution. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And instead of being buried in a potter's field, it was, or he was buried in a real cemetery. Right. So... If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button on whatever podcasting app you use. If you like this story, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're absolutely obsessed with this podcast and want to become our drag queen, go to talkmer.com slash join. Become a Talkos Primo. Get a badass t-shirt, sticker swag, a lot of love. Shout it out all over the place. Tell me what story you want me to do. I'll research it, dedicate it to you on Talk Mermaid Podcast. My name is John here with Jen and Nicole. And until next time, sashay away. Who's texting? Taylor. Jen? We need to turn them phones off. We got to get through this. I'll, I'll put it in a different room. Okay. Don't look at the screens. Ta- wait, wait for Jen. I'm watching you, Jen. Don't look at the screens. I'm going to see if you do. Okay, you me? Put it in the bathroom. You looked at it. I know you did. Which is stupid. That sounds stupid. We don't need another pop, top 40 pop station. I bring back my oldies. Now all we have is cool 102. You got your vinyl player in there, Jen. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> like when I'm home in Massachusetts, like I don't have my vinyl player with me. I well, only you have can the radio. bring the vinyl with you on your um, trip to Myrtle Beach. It's called iTunes. There's this little, there's this thing now. Jen, you don't have a, a vinyl player in your car. You can listen to it when you're driving up there. <laughs> oh, wait, because that's really, um, what's the word? Inefficient. And most people just use MP3s. I'm going to refrain from commenting, <laughs> mostly because I instead can't of, think of anything good to say instead about of, Instead of having a 400-pound <laughs> record it's player. Not 400 pounds. <laughs> it's like it's exaggerating. Seven. It is with all the damn records in it. Well, you know what? I'm well, proud of my vinyl collection. I'm proud of my vinyl collection, and I need to expand it. Okay, so tonight... Like my candles. Tonight we're... <laughs> My first CD was Spice Girls. La, 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 la. So today I was actually talking about Spice World. We and got to the go. Fact, uh, we're going to go. Don't worry. Let me finish this story. Today I was talking about Spice World and the cinematic masterpiece that it is and how it's so underrated. Excellent. Yes. So I'm actually now lending out my DVD to multiple people because they are not educated on the They've never seen it? That is Spice World. No. Most uh, of these children are like born in the 2000s. Oh, well, do they even yeah. know who the Spice Girls are? Some of them do, actually. I'm, so I'm you're surprised. lending them a DVD. So you're You'll never have, get it back. You're going to make them go buy a DVD player because no one uses those anymore. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> well, it's either they use they, a DVD they or use they have their, to pay for it on they Amazon use their Prime. Play- PlayStations for it. Maddie's believes nature is beautiful, majestic, serene. But human nature is inventive, intrepid, reckless. Nature says, look how many colors I can fit in a sunset. Human nature says, look how many hot wings I can fit in my mouth. But human nature needs nature. That's why there's Maddie's All Natural Acid and Indigestion Relief. A drug-free remedy for human nature. Available at Walmart, CVS, Walgreens, and Amazon. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 
Switching to Geico is a good idea, especially when you consider everything. First off, Geico makes it easy to switch. They have licensed agents available 24-7 online or over the phone. But if it's so easy, you might start thinking everything is easy, even big wave surfing. And it's not. It's actually quite difficult. Well, if you switch to Geico, you could save hundreds on car insurance. And you could keep saving by bundling your motorcycle, boat, and RV, plus your home or renter's insurance. But saving money might lead you to make some questionable purchases, like a 20-foot feather boa. And do you know how hard it is to clean a 20-foot feather boa? Well, they do have an industry-leading mobile app you can use to pay your bill, file and manage a claim, or add a new driver. But when life gets a little easier, it makes you too confident. And you start calling everyone ace. And you're better than that. Well, GEICO has a 97% customer satisfaction rating and has been saving people money for 85 years. It's hard to beat that. But you're right. Switch to GEICO. It's obviously a good idea.